welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. We're in chapter 18, and we're going to start in verse 15. It says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven." For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. All right. Hey, guys. Just to remind you guys, we are talking about disciple making. This whole series, Rise, is all about making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And and we want to see a movement of disciple making here in Toronto. And we want to be a part of that. So just to remind you that as, as you go through this series, as you go through Rise, as you go through the videos, as you go through the questions, all that, it's all to equip you to be a disciple maker. That's our desire for you. That's the Great Commission. That's Acts 1-8. You have been empowered with the Holy Spirit to go and be my witnesses. It's Matthew 28. It's the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples. And, and teaching them to obey all things, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And how can you do that if you don't know what to teach, if you don't know what, what to give to somebody? So this whole series has been designed to give you what you need to give to other people. So, and, and, and this morning, we're going to talk about the church. Remember, we're in our DNA. It's KDSE, Kingdom Disciples Society Church. Kingdom Disciples, Engaging Society, out of that arises the church. And we're in C. In the church this morning, uh, we're really going to talk about how the church is a family of God, how it is a household of God, because the topic today is restoration and reconciliation. And that isn't, uh, that isn't something that we all do very well. And so this morning, or today, we're going to take some time to just sit and pray for the first minute or two. And so I want to lead you in that. Uh, I want you to just sit in silence, sit in prayer. Uh, if you're watching this video, uh, you, can, you can just ask God to open your heart. We're going to do that together right now. So uh, because this is a topic that is, it's one of the most important foundational truths of being a disciple, of being a follower of Jesus, but it's one of the ones that we get wrong a lot of the time. So let's pray right now and ask the Lord to, to open our hearts. God, this is your family. We are part of your household. And so do your work in us this morning. We submit ourselves to you and pray that you would just open our hearts, that you give us ears to hear. Because odds are a lot of us are in broken relationships. There's something, there's some sort of conflict, there's some sort of relationship that's broken. So give us uh, what we need to be agents of restoration, to be ministers of reconciliation for your purposes, Father. And a lot of times we know how to do it, but we don't really fully grasp the why and why this is so important for us. So help us to understand that this morning, but not just to hear you this morning, but to also walk forward in obedience this morning to be ministers of reconciliation, we ask in your name. Amen. All right, like I said, this is one of the most important foundational truths of following Jesus. But it's also 
one of the ones that we get wrong a lot of the time or we don't do well. And it's not that we don't know how or we don't know the what, we're gonna talk about those this morning, but we don't fully understand the why and why this is so important. Because I think if you did, then you wouldn't leave conflicts unresolved. Then you'd want to get that bitterness, that resentment, that unforgiveness out of your heart right away. And, and, and you may say, well, I do want that, but, but what steps are you taking to have uh, to, to root that out? So, and in the, in, in the Christian church, in, in the family, seeing, in the family of God, in the household of God, conflict is actually inevitable. Like it's going to happen. Right, because it's all built on relationships. It's it's all of us in relationship together. So conflict is is going to happen. But what I want you to see this morning is that we don't have to shy away from that. Now we don't want to run into conflict. We don't want to create conflict. But we have to know that it's going to happen, and that we shouldn't avoid it because God can actually use it to create genuine community and genuine relationships. So a lot of us, we love to live in superficial pseudo-community. We're just hanging out here on top of the surface, right? Conflict, a lot of times, pushes us below the surface into genuine community. It pushes us deeper, right? We go deeper with other people because, because we've actually had honest conversations. See, in pseudo-community, and, and sometimes in... in um, uh, when we don't have conflict, we kind of live on walking on eggshells or, or uh, we're not expressing our, our, our true opinions. We're not fully honest, which leads to lack of integrity, which when conflict happens, we just run, we avoid, or, or we lie, or we actually perpetuate sin. And, and so this morning, I want you to see conflict not, as, uh, not, not just as a bad thing or an evil thing, or an evil thing, because it can be, but as something that the Lord can use in our lives to create good. And this morning, I want you to see that, uh, because if you always shy away from it, you'll never experience that, because again, it is inevitable. Like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen at your workplace. It's going to happen in your family. It's going to happen with your spouse, with your kids, with, with your brother, with your sister, with your friend, with your coworker, with uh, your neighbor, who, you name it, right? We're, we're going to experience it. So this morning, we're going to talk about the what uh, and the how, but also the, the why and, and why and why it works. Because here's the reality, guys. If we can't model this and do this with brothers and sisters in the family of God, how in the world are we going to be ministers of reconciliation out there? We won't be. We can't be. How can you bring others to, to God and make peace with others if you can't even do that in the household of God? And so we want to we be able to do that. This is an essential part of being a disciple who, who can make a, a disciple and being a follower of Jesus. So let's let's go with this passage here. This is uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. It says, "If your brother sins against you, brother or sister, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you." You've gained your brother. So here's an example. If, if, um, and this is this is gonna sound really simplistic, and because guys, this is a pretty simplistic step. If someone sins against you, go and tell him his fault, you and him alone. So if Adam offends me somehow, which happens quite regularly, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, if if Adam offends me somehow, you might at home be saying. Yeah, that does actually happen quite regularly. <laughs> I think I heard some amens from somewhere in the city on that, on that one. So if, if, uh, if Adam um, offends me, I go and I say, hey, Adam, what you said ah, just made me feel like this. And I give him the opportunity to reconcile. I give him the opportunity to say, I'm so sorry. I give him the opportunity to love. I give him the opportunity to apologize. I give him the opportunity to understand and to say, well, can you show me how? 
right? Can you, can you teach me in this? Because I actually didn't know what I said offended you. So can you help me help you? And, and so you see there a brotherhood. You see rest, true restoration. You see true, genuine community happening. And guys, you say, well, it's not that simple. It is that simple. It is that simple. That's how this verse lays out. It says, if that happens, you go and you tell him, between you and him alone, his fault. And if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. Now, that's a big if, right? That, that's, that's a big if because uh, a lot of times we're, we're, we're afraid of that if. So, but, but just think about this. Jesus has just told us in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount to not love our brother and our sister. He's told us to love our enemy. Love our enemy. How can you do that? You can't even love your brother. Think about your enemy. Your enemy is actually out to get you. They intend to hurt you, and they'll do so over and over again. Your enemy is not a brother or sister. They're your enemy. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to be a follower of, of Jesus, if you're going to be a, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you're to love the person who actually intends to hurt you. So guys, if you have a brother or a sister, if you have someone in the family of God, if you have someone who, who is trying to live the same life you are, defined by love, defined by grace, defined by truth, defined by restoration, reconciliation, if you have someone who's, who at least says that they're trying to live that life and they sin against you, how much more so should we be willing and able to forgive them? to reconcile with them, to, to restore them, if the standard is to love your enemy. Guys, do you, do you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to emphasize that again and reiterate that. The standard of a kingdom citizen, of a disciple who hears and obeys the voice of God, of someone who engages society and follows Jesus, who is part of the church, the standard is to love your enemy. A standard isn't to love your brother. A standard is to love your enemy. Your brothers and your sisters are under there somewhere. That's the easy part. So Matthew 18 here should be easy for us. This, this step this, that's very simple, if this happens to you, well, go and tell them. Because you need to trust the spirit of God that dwells in them. They had the same spirit, at least from all evidences, right, and from what they say, they had the same Spirit of God in them as you have in you. And you have to trust that. You have to trust that in them, and you have to trust the Spirit of God in you. And, and so, I think a lot of times, so here's the problem. There's a few problems, actually. Um, so a lot of times we assume poor intentions, like in this instance, I assume Adam was out to get me, right? Or I assume when I'm in conflict with Missy, she meant to hurt me, right? Now, just be clear, I never assume that in our marriage. I actually assume the best always in Missy. I always assume that she wants to make me more like Jesus. Guys, if you can do that, that changes conflict. That changes the conversation. I always assume the best intentions in her. And guess what, guys? If she doesn't have the best intentions, but I assume the best, she's going to try to rise up to the best. Like, that's, that's what submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ looks like. So if I can do that with Missy, with Adam, whoever, um, then, then I can actually serve to activate them to engage with the Spirit of God who dwells inside them. Right? And, and I'm doing that myself instead of quenching the Spirit of God, which is what we often do. Because here's the problem. This is the first step that we just mentioned. But oftentimes, we take a different first step. So your, your, your different first step, sometimes, oftentimes, when someone sins against you, might be to go and tell somebody else. So I, I might say... Uh, uh, so Adam uh, offends me, and I go to, I go to Chandler, and I, and I say, uh, hey, Chandler, can you pray? Can you pray with me on this? So we do it under the guise of prayer, so it sounds spiritual, right? 
uh, Chandler, can you pray with me on this? Can you, can you help carry my burden, right? Adam is a jerk, and he just like totally, and, and so you just, you just, what you did was you just multiplied your dissension, you just multiplied your bitterness, you just multiplied your, your anger, you just multiplied your frustrations into another believer. So now, and, and, and so now I've, I, I'm upset at Adam, under the guise of spirituality, I go to Chandler to, to do what? To have him pray for me, but really, what I wanted to do was get him, get him on my side. I actually wanted to multiply that hurt into him so that he feels what I feel, so that now I have someone who, who agrees with me and I say, yeah, yeah, you get how I feel, right? Okay, now, now as a follower of Jesus though, you're called to multiply the fruit of the spirit, but instead I multiplied um, the fruit of the enemy and into somebody else. And I've, and now, now you've, you've um, yeah, you just have taken a misstep, a, a pretty big misstep. And, and instead of just being the one who's been sinned against, you've actually perpetuated the sin. You've become a sinner yourself. And, and, and so sometimes we take that first step. Or for those of you who are married, you tell your spouse, right? Because somewhere along the way, somewhere along the line, someone told you or you convinced yourself that it's okay for your spouse to know everything about you and what happens to you. Guys, this isn't a marriage counseling <laughs> session, uh, but that is not, that, that's not the healthiest way to, um, to, to be in marriage. Okay, now I'm not saying hi things to your spouse, all, all that, but uh, sometimes conflict that, hap like conflict that happens at work for me, which is, the church and ministry, right? I don't go and tell Missy all that stuff, right? I, I, I deal with it when, when it happens. She doesn't need to know that stuff, right? She doesn't need to carry my burdens with me. She doesn't need to pray for me. Now, she, if, if something is, is there like that, that's heavy on me, she can see it in my face. She knows me and she'll pray for me. But what's great about Missy, she's not wanting to know the details. Now, some of us, we're wanting to know all the details, right? You're just a gossip. You want to know that it feeds whatever is in, whatever's in your flesh. Um, but she doesn't need to know any details, right? So um, I could just say, hey, there's, I could say, well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So, um, but again, in doing so, what, what you don't want to do in this situation is multiply your vengeance, your anger, your hurt, your dissension into the other person because then you're perpetuating the sin. So, here's a question. What prevents you from going to someone who has sinned against you, as this passage says? What, what normally prevents you from doing that? I think often we prematurely blame the other person. So we're in conflict, someone's offended me or done something to me. Um, and I, and I say, why don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to go to them. I, I'm, they're not going to take it well. So I prematurely blame them for not reconciling. Right? I say, well, they're not going to take it well, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm just not going to go to them. I've, I have assumed and presumed that uh, they are not going to reconcile with me. Well, it just ends there. Right? And then you live with the unforgiveness in your heart, the dissension, the pain, the hurt, and you never receive healing. That is not what God wants for us. He came into this world, as Ephesians says, to make peace between us and him and between us and each other. And he wants you to walk forward in that peace, in that restoration, in that reconciliation. See, guys, do you realize our entire story the entire story of humankind is one of restoration and reconciliation. That's our story. God created everything perfect. He was in perfect relationship with us, and that got messed up. We messed it up, right? Sin messed that up in Genesis chapter 3. And so God has been trying to reconcile us to him and restore that relationship this entire time. And he was in an eternally existing perfect relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
And he changed that relationship in a way to send Jesus here to us, God the Son, in order to make peace for us so that we can be agents of that to each other to bring other people to him. It's all about restoration and reconciliation. That's why this is so important because if you persist in living in unforgiveness, if you refuse to forgive instead of choose to forgive, then what you end up doing is you end up perpetuating the curse and the fall and the sinful nature in humankind. And you become a part of, of pushing forward the kingdom of darkness, not the kingdom of light. That's why this is so important. That's why it's so, and, and it, you're like, ah, oh, what's well, just this? No, guys, you gotta see this with spiritual eyes. You gotta see broken links and broken relationships all around you. And our job is to repair those, repair those links. It's to bring it back and make it whole again. And so sometimes what prevents us is, is, is saying, well, they're not gonna take it well, but also, or actually, in, in reality, it's our own fear, right? It's our own fear, it's our own awkwardness, it's our own discomfort that hinders us from going to the person and saying, hey, this is what I felt like when you said this. This is the pain I've been feeling or the anger I've been feeling when, when you did this or when you said this. And here's the truth, guys. You have control over your own faithfulness not over their faithfulness. Focus on controlling your own faithfulness. Don't worry about their faithfulness. Just you be faithful and you let the Spirit do the rest, okay? Because sometimes they're not gonna respond well. That's going to happen. But you don't control their faithfulness. You control your faithfulness. So you hear and you obey and you give them the opportunity to do so. If they don't do that, well, that's on them. That's not on you because you are faithful. So what, uh, here's the flip side of this, because some of you guys may say, well, I don't have a problem with doing step one. I'll, I'll do step one. But what motivates you to do that? What motivates you to go to someone who has sinned against you? Some of you may have, like I said, some of you may have less of a problem with doing this, but the problem is actually, you're not driven by love, you're driven by selfishness in doing this. Or you're, you're not driven by humility, you're driven by your pride in being right and, and, and saying, I want this person to admit they were wrong and I was right. Or you're, driven by, you're not driven by respect for the other person and honoring the other person, you're driven by retribution. Well, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna get them and make them feel the hurt and the pain that I've felt. So I'm gonna say, you know, these things to them so they feel what I feel instead of searching for restoration and reconciliation. So guys, even in this, you need to check the motive of your own heart because a lot of you have been hurt. A lot of you have been hurt uh, by other people saying things or doing things to you. And, and if it's been a while, um, now, ideally, when this happens, you do it right away. Guys, I never, a conflict that I know about, I never let sit. Uh, now, I take, I take um, uh, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, yes, 4.18, literally. Like, I do not let the sun go down on conflict, on anger, and, and I feel like it's part of my faithfulness to help that other person not be angry as well. So um, if I know about it, I'm gonna do it that day, right? Let, let's go back to Adam. If he, if he offends me or, or Missy, if she, if she says something or does something, guys, I will deal with it right then, right now. And some of you guys are like, I don't want that. I need time to process all that. No, you don't. You actually do not. That is, that is when the enemy creeps in. You've opened up a door for the enemy to root dissension and bitterness in your heart. And the longer that goes, the harder it is to, to reconcile and restore that relationship. 
Think about like a plant that's growing and the weeds and the, I mean, the, the roots are growing. Yeah, think about a weed. And the weed kills the grass, guys, because it takes the nutrients from everything else. It's killing your faith. It's killing your, your spirituality. It's killing your relationship with God. And, 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 it's, and it's infecting the rest of the lawn and it kills the lawn. And the, and the roots are just getting deeper and deeper and stronger and stronger and thicker and thicker and bigger and bigger so that eventually, if you do want to pull it out, when you do pull it out, guess what else it brings with it? It brings with it tons of soil and, and a chunk of grass. But if you pulled it out right away, it would slip right out. So guys, it's so important to deal with it right away. If, if, if you're listening to this and you have a broken relationship, a conflict right now, do not give the enemy a foothold. You already have. You need to shake that guy off. You need to release. Uh, you, need to, you need to throw yourself into the spirit and, and go reconcile that relationship right now. And, and, and so, guys, I just can't stress enough how important this is. But if, like I said, if it's been brewing for a long time, if it has sat in your heart for a long time, you really need to check your motives. Because odds are, the root of bitterness is deep. The root of resentment and anger is still there. Sadness and grief is, is still there. And when you, go to, when you go to talk to your brother or sister, you may end up just throwing up your emotions on them rather than trying to re really restore and reconcile. And that just becomes messy. And then you say, oh, well, they didn't take it well. Well, no, it's because you didn't do it well, right? Because for three years, you had this built up in your heart, and then when you met with them, they had no idea, but then you threw it all in their face. Guys, there's a way to do this that where, where uh, you're doing it in love with the purpose of restoration and reconciliation. And, and you need to do it in a dispassionate way where your emotions are not controlling you. There's a difference between between telling somebody what your emotions were and just blurting them out on them and yelling in tears and anger. Because that, that, that won't help anybody. And, and so that's why it's so important for you to do this first step right away and not to go and talk to other people. Now, is there a way to do that? Is there a way to receive wisdom and counsel from others? Yes but not before you complete step one. That's in step two. So even, I wouldn't even advise you generally, I wouldn't even advise a general thing where I, I Adam offends me and I go to Chandler and I say, I say, um, yeah, Chandler, um, I have a friend who, he's, he's, a, he's a close friend of mine, he's a, he's a colleague, we've, we've, we share a lot of life together, Generally speaking, he has a family too, and I have a family, and just to give you some context. Um, and I, guys, there's, no, there's really no benefit in there. And the reason is because you're still trying to get someone on your side, um, and that's just our flesh. You may say, well, I don't do that. Guys, that is your sinful flesh, right? Whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously or unconsciously, that's your sinful nature. Right? That's going to happen. And I'm warning you against that. Uh, Jesus doesn't say, first, go and, go and talk to somebody else and then go to your brother. He just says, hey, if someone sins against you, go to him. It's that simple. For me, I want to obey Jesus, so I'm going to do that. So hear, hear his voice here and, and obey in this way. Because even if I did it in a general way, it still gives time and opportunity for the enemy to root something in my heart. And it still, and what it can do, and what it often does, is it entrenches me in my own position and gets me ready for battle, not for brotherhood. So let's, let's go to step two. This is where wisdom and counsel comes in. Step two, verse 16. But if he does not listen, which happens sometimes, guys, but let me tell you, those are the rare instances. In all the conflict that I've gone through with people, in all the conflict that I've had, I, I can't even remember one right now. I'm sure there has there, there have been a couple. Um, uh, but yes, there have been a couple. I remember some now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, uh, but those are like the 0.1%. 
99.9% of the time, step one does the trick. I go to my brother or sister and we work it out. But if that doesn't happen, that's why there's a step two. Take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So this, is, uh, this isn't brand new. Jesus didn't, didn't make this up here and now. He made it up back in Deuteronomy. Uh, this is from Deuteronomy 19, uh, this two or three witnesses thing. And this is where advice, wisdom, counsel, the experience of the community of faith comes into play where, where um, somewhat or as much as you can get objective opinions come into play in, in this regard. And, and the purpose of restoration and reconciliation really shines shines its light here so let's talk about that like what what is the purpose like why why do we want to have restored relationships with people why do we want to reconcile what are you seeking to do um are you seeking to understand the other person's perspective or are you just seeking to give your own that's important are you seeking to understand the other person and their perspective or are you just trying to give your own because Guys, in conflict, there's two sides. True reconciliation is a bringing together. That's what this word means, right? You're bringing together two or three or multiple sides, right? So if we're bringing together both parties, that also includes both perspectives, not just yours, right? If you're going to share your side of it, you have to be willing to hear the other person's side of it. You have to be if you want reconciliation to happen. You can't just say, I'm the only one who was hurt and you sinned against me. You have to be willing to let the other person speak too. And when they do, you, you um, yeah, I can go on and on about conflict. If you want to talk to, talk to us about that sometime, we, we can talk to you about that. But um, you have to be willing to let the other person speak. Both perspective, both opinions, both sides, both honoring each other, both loving each other, both submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ Jesus. And that has to happen in true reconciliation where both people come together in true, true restoration. So let's go on to, to the next thing because sometimes even that doesn't work. And, and Jesus talks to us about that. And when that doesn't work, verse 17 comes into play. Remember as you read this, restoration and reconciliation are the goal. Right? Restoration, reconciliation are the goal. Excommunication is not the goal here. Uh, restoration is the goal. It says, if he refuses to listen to them, in verse 17, you got to tell it to the church. And if he refuses to even listen to the church, okay, so there's a the third step. You got to tell it to the church. So get more people involved and say, can you help us in this situation? We love this brother. We love this sister. We don't want a broken relationship here. They're persisting in their sin. They're persisting in disobedience, right? And now you have two or three people agreeing with this. And, and we need other counsel. We need other people to help. We need other people to help restore. And if he still refuses to listen, even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, this is a, this is, well, it seems very strong, right? Um, this is a temple, an allusion or, to the temple, right? And in the temple, you had the, the inner sanctum, the Holy of Holies, and you had the holy place. Then you have the inner court and the outer court, and you have all these courts and stuff. And, and the Gentiles were, were only allowed a certain distance in. Um, and then, like, those who were deemed, like, to be not followers of God, not the people of God, which would be what tax collectors means here, is uh, they, were, they were on the outer court as well. And so it's basically saying, well... If they refuse to even listen to the church, if they refuse to be with the church, well, then they can't be with the church. They've made their decision. They're in the outer court because they have said, they have, they have um, refused to, uh, they've refused to forgive, they've refused to obey, they've refused to acknowledge their own wrongdoing. Because remember, Jesus is operating under the assumption here that this brother or sister has sinned against you. So they've refused to repent of their sin. Right? There is sin here. And so if they refuse that, then Jesus is saying, well, they're not following me, is essentially what he's saying. 
they're in the outer court. They made their decision. We didn't force them out there. And we need to help them see that, that they're outside the entire community of faith here on this matter. And so hopefully what that does is it, it, is it helps them see that and brings them into restoration and reconciliation. Often, though, and here's the big problem, uh, because here's the thing, guys. If, we, if, if they were left in the inner court and they persisted in their sin and in their disobedience, they have the potential to corrupt other people. They have the potential to lead other people into sin. They have the potential to sow seeds of discord and anger and unity, uh, disunity and vengeance. They have the potential to hurt the church, to ruin the church. They have the potential to, to bring other people on their side when there shouldn't even be a side. We're all on the side of Jesus. But they have the potential to, to separate, to perpetuate the curse. Well, here's the big problem. Often it doesn't get to this point because the person will just end up leaving themselves because they recognize that the community, that they're not part of the community in the way they were before. So what do they do? Well, they just leave and they go to another church. And what's the problem with that? Well, normally they enter the next church with no questions asked. No one says, well, how did you leave your other church? Why are you coming to this church? And in so doing, they bring their spirit of discord anger, unforgiveness. They bring their own selves who are broken, who need healing, who need love, right? Which is what the whole restoration reconciliation process is trying to give them. But they're hurt. They still have that hurt. They, they have that pain. And they take that into the next church. Now they can't trust other people because of what happened, because they feel like they were treated in a certain way, like true reconciliation, restoration didn't happen. So now they bring them to this new church and guys, it, it may take a while, it may take months, it may take years even, but eventually that, that pain and that, that hurt becomes this vicious perpetual cycle that rears its head and they multiply it into that new church. They multiply it into church after church after church, into relationship into relation, after relationship after relationship. And I've seen this happen multiple times. And each time it's happened, even in our church, I say, hey, I want healing and restoration for you. I want to love you in this moment. I want you to be healed. And even people who've left our church in anger and, and, and disunity, we've said, you're always welcome back here. Please don't leave with that. Like, even if you want to go, we, want, we, we will bless you, but we want you to go in, to, in, in healing and in love. And because of emotional things that have happened in previous relationships and previous churches, because of the root, because of the pain, they can't let go. They can't let go of that. They can't, they can't, they, they don't even know they're dismissing something that's good for them. And they perpetuate that cycle and they go to another church and they look all fresh and they look all clean and they look great from the outside, but inside they're just a desert of weeds. And it is, again, it may look good for a bit when you're in that superficial community, but once conflict happens, it all comes out because they've never actually experienced genuine community. And for those of you guys at Trinity Life Church, we want you to experience genuine community. We don't want you to live in superficial community all the time. We, we want you to know that we are here to love you, that we want you to have healing, and that we want you to walk forward in forgiveness because we want you to multiply those things in this world, not, not the things of, of the kingdom of darkness. And so you look here in verse 18, that's what we're talking about. He says, Jesus saying, truly, this is, like, this is one of those, those words in the Greek that's like a smack in the face. Like, listen up. If you haven't been listening up until this point, Jesus is saying, listen now. He says, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So in the book of Matthew, there's, there's only two places where the church is mentioned. 
This is one of them in chapter 18, and the other one is in chapter 16. So just two chapters before is where the church is first mentioned, and then now the church is mentioned here. And in both instances, this verse is there. This same exact verse is there in both instances of the church. And, and Jesus has linked it uh, in chapter 16. He's linked this verse to having the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Which means that in choosing to forgive or refusing to forgive, you are either pushing forward the kingdom of heaven or you are hindering the kingdom of heaven. That's huge. And that's a truth straight out of the scriptures. You're either pushing forward the kingdom of heaven or you are, or you become a stumbling block to the kingdom of heaven. When you choose to forgive or you refuse to, to forgive. Because you're binding things, you know, taking them captive and putting them aside, or you're loosing, setting loose, freeing things into the world. And so what are you binding and what are you loosing? What are you hindering from, from going out in the world? And, and, what are you, uh, and what are you giving free reign to in your heart? Or what are you giving free reign and loosing in your family, in your church, in your relationships, in the world? You know, and here's to put it really simply. When you forgive, when you choose to forgive, you are binding evil. You're binding the kingdom of darkness when you choose to forgive. When you refuse to forgive, you're binding good. So when you forgive, you're binding evil and you're loosing good. When you refuse to forgive, you're binding good and you're loosing evil. As that's, that, that's a pretty hard truth because you're loosing unforgiveness, you're loosing anger, you're loosing malice, you're loosing vengeance, you're loosing retribution, you're loosing bitterness, you're loosing resentment. Do you want to be a person who looses those things or a person who sets free goodness and peace and joy and kindness and love and patience and faithfulness and self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit? What fruit do you want to bind and what fruit do you want to loose? Remember, when you choose to forgive, you get to loose the fruit of the Spirit. But when you refuse to forgive, you're loosing the fruit of the kingdom of darkness. You're loosing the fruit of your sinful flesh. And because we are new creations in Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 5, we are also ambassadors for Christ and ministers of reconciliation, reconciling the world to God through Christ Jesus, according to Colossians chapter 1. And if you're not doing that, if you're not walking forward as a minister of reconciliation, then again, you are perpetuating the curse and the fall, which is perpetuating basically anti-reconciliation. So you are perpetuating that and you're encouraging the kingdom of darkness. So I know what you're saying now. Some of you guys might be thinking this, saying this. Well, you don't know what he, she, they said to me. You don't know what he, she, they did to me. If you, if you knew that, you wouldn't be telling me how easy it is to forgive. I just can't let that go. I just can't let that go. I just can't forgive because they took something from me that I'll never get back. And now I'm left with the hurt and the pain of it. And guys, I know that some of you guys are feeling that. I know that some of us have gone through some pretty horrendous things from people. Like we're not just talking about brothers and sisters in the family of God anymore. We're just talking about just hurt and pain that you've experienced, different trauma, different things like that. And you're like, I can't let that go. And uh, here's a couple things. One, I understand that that relationship may never be what it was before. I'm not asking you to be their best friend. 
And Jesus isn't saying, now you got to be the best friend again, or you got to be the best friend now. Um, but the sad truth is that the longer you hold on that unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, the more you're breathing life into that pain and that hurt that's been afflicted on you. And so now you've, you're not just the victim, but you're a perpetrator of that sin in your own heart to yourself. And you are breathing life into that. You're giving that more and more life. You're letting it exist in your heart. You're giving it its existence. And so for your own sake, like don't even, let's not even worry about the other person anymore. For your own sake, as someone who says they're a follower of Jesus, you do not want to live with that. You have to give it to God. And then you have to follow these steps. And, and guys, this is so important. It's so important for us that there's multiple, there's so many instances in the scriptures of doing this. I mean, you look at Genesis 33 and Jacob and Esau, they're twin brothers. You can't get closer than that. They spent more time with each other than anybody else because they had nine months in the womb with each other. That's me and Diane. <laughs> oh, like they, they had all this time together. Um, and yet Jacob steals Esau's birthright and his blessing. He isn't just like, he doesn't earn it. He steals it from him. And then Jacob flees, and he fears Esau for years and years and years, and it affects all of his relationships. You can read this in, in Genesis 33 on, uh, or sorry, Genesis on to Genesis 33, because he fears all these, it, it just affects all his other relationships. It affects his relationship with his, his, um, his family, with, with other nations, with other people, with God. But in Genesis 33, he meets Esau face to face, and all his fears are cast away because Esau welcomes him with open arms. You're like, ah, oh, that's one instance. Well, no, in Genesis 45 and Genesis 50, you see this again because Joseph, it happens with Joseph. His brothers actually sell him into slavery and they basically leave him for dead or for whatever's gonna happen to him. And uh, years, years, years go past and Joseph sees his brothers, and he welcomes them with open arms. Forgiveness. Joseph actually has to forgive them twice, once in Genesis 45 and then again in Genesis 50 because his brothers realize how egregious their sin was that when the dad dies, when Jacob dies, they feel like uh, Joseph may take some retri retribution on them. So he actually says, no, guys, I actually do forgive you. He forgives them twice. You have a passage like Hosea 11 in the scriptures where you have the nation of Israel who generations upon generations upon generations upon generations have uh, forsaken the Lord. They have prostituted themselves to the nations and to other gods. They have, uh, they've, for, they've just left God and, and God is like, I got to start, I got, like, what do I do? I, I need to show them um, that they're meant to be the people of God. And he actually relents from disaster on them. He abounds in love. He abounds in grace because he remembers all the good things in that, in that relationship. And says, he says, I'm the one who taught Israel how to walk like a father to a child. He says, I'm the one who put my arms under, under Israel's arms. It's called Ephraim and Hosea. And, and I helped him walk. I'm the one who healed them. I'm the one who taught them how to live. And you see God just remembering the good. And, and he restores the, and he, and he seeks to restore the relationship. Then you have like Acts 16. So those are all Old Testament, right? You're like, ah, oh, that's all. Well, in New Testament, this happens too. <laughs> uh, Acts 16, Paul and Silas at Philippi, they are mocked, beaten, attacked, uh, cast down all in public, thrown in a jail, put in the stocks, and through singing and praise and prayers, uh, they're released by an earthquake from prison and miraculously, and they could run and flee if they wanted to, but the jailer, because they're, flee, uh, because they're freed, he's about to take his life with his sword, and they, they stop the jailer, and they bring him to Christ. Now, he's their enemy. They love their enemy, and they restore not just their relationship with this other person, but his relationship to God, because this jailer and his whole family come to know Jesus. And Paul and Silas, guys, 
they actually go back into prison. Even though they're freed, they go in and they, and they spend the night there and wait till the next day. And it's pretty amazing. And then Jesus, of course, on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They know not what they do. This is Luke chapter 23. And if you were, and guys, oh, there's so much more I could say here. Oh, I got it. I know we got to go. Matthew 18, right at this, because you might be saying now what Peter says in the very next verse. He says, well, how, how much do I have to do this? How often do I forgive someone who just keeps on sinning against me? And Jesus says, well, as long as it takes. Peter says, well, seven times? He says, well, no, 70 times seven. Basically, infinity, as long as it takes, you show forgiveness because that's what I did for you. Guys, that's the abundant life. Do you want that or do you want to live in your unforgiveness? Those are your choices here. That's why these last two verses, I'm just going to read them. He says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask. Now, that word anything isn't anything whatsoever. The word in the Greek actually refers to, it's used a lot for judicial matters. So again, in this situation, restoration and reconciliation, uh, uh, not pronounce, like judicial matters, like, like saying, yes, this, this person has sinned, this person. So here, if you two or three are together, if they ask anything, it will be done for them. Restoration and reconciliation will happen if you can agree on it, right? For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Now, we read that, and, we, and that's kind of old hat to us because we have the Spirit indwelling in us. It shouldn't be, but we kind of say that, well, yeah, God's with us. His presence is serious amongst us. But guys, this statement in the corpus of the biblical text as it's going they don't understand this statement yet. They're not new covenant right now. They're still in the old covenant. And God's saying here, Jesus saying here, he's basically saying I'm God here to them. Um, Jesus saying here that I'm going to be in your midst every time this happens. Oh, guys, that's what we've been waiting for all of the Bible up until this point. We've been waiting for the spirit to indwell us. We've been waiting for this moment. And Jesus is saying, if you can choose to forgive over and over and over again, I'm going to be with you every single time. Every time, because that's what I did. And guess who I did that for? I did that for you. I did that for you. And the least you can do is do that for me and do that for others. And so, guys, this is the abundant life, that he is among us when we multiply restoration, when we multiply reconciliation, when we multiply forgiveness, he is there with us and he's among us. Hear God's voice, obey God's voice, forgive someone else, accept their forgiveness. And when you do that, you're actually experiencing God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your example. Thank you for modeling this for us. Make us more like you, Jesus. Ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for you. We are new creations in you. And so thank you for your forgiveness and your grace. God, you give me those things new every single day. And so show me how to give that to other people new every single day. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.